Roll down tide. From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, this is the Beer Garden presented by Oxford Crystal. Like to hear a little bit more conviction in your take, though. There was a lot of maybes, a lot of what ifs, a lot of questions. You need to just get on here. You need to fire and and put me in a position where I have to tell you that you're wrong. And now, here's your host, Neil McCready. Nice, nice. Welcome into another edition of the Oxford Crystal Beer Garden. I'm your host, Neil McCready. <clears throat> Excuse me. Today on the show, Austin Barber joins us. He's with the Clearwater Group, Strategic Partners in Media. He's sort of our MPW digital political um, correspondent, if you will. I don't think Austin would mind that title. We're going to talk uh, some politics, mostly the Democratic primary don't get into policy and all that stuff just sort of talk about the strategy of trying to win the democratic nomination what that looks like uh, in november who donald trump probably wants to see who he doesn't want to see talk about those things i like politics austin's fantastic about talking politics i think you'll like the conversation We'll get back to some sports stuff next week, but sometimes on the beer garden, we like to veer away. Before we get into Austin, I'd like to tell you about the Oxford Crystal Highway 6 West in Oxford, right next door to the Oxford Exxon. All you can eat for $7.99. Dine-in only. That's cheese, crystals, pups, and fries. $7.99. Stop in, and uh, you can fill yourself up to your heart's content. Or you can get 10 crystals for $6. You can take those out, uh, spend, get them out for the weekend as you watch uh, baseball, basketball, whatever the case may be. And, of course, you can always start your day with the Scrambler Breakfast Bowls. They're at Oxford Crystal Highway 6 West in Oxford. And don't forget the uh, new Crystal Catch, the uh, Hush Puppy Battered Fish, $1.49 at Oxford Crystal. I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios, 662-257-1900 is the number. It's in Amory, Mississippi. Call that number. Ask for my friend Corey Clark. Tell Corey what new Ford product you're looking for. He'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. It's that simple. Right to the bottom line. No hassle, no haggle. You get your quote, and the rest is absolutely up to you. I recommend you hop into a Clark Ford today. You'll love the product. You'll love the service after the sale. Corey wants to be your truck guy. He wants to be your car guy. He will prove that to you when you make the call, 662-257-1900. As always, the Beer Garden is brought to you by LB's Meat Market. Man, I know we talk about LB's a lot, and um, it gets better and better. Truly does. It gets better all the time. 662-259-2999 is the number. If you're coming in for a uh, baseball weekend here soon, you're in a hurry, call ahead. Tell Greg what you want. He'll have it all wrapped up, ready to go. You can run in, grab your stuff, and uh, out the door you go. Or you can do what I've done, uh, what I love to do, and that's go in and just browse. I kind of go in with no idea, and I walk out always pretty happy with different things, whether it's the double-thick pork chops, bone-in ribeyes, fillets he's got the lane train specials that are super popular uh these days so whatever it is that you're looking for um he's he's got it great sausages chicken uh really everything it's just a fantastic place the uh, stuffed jalapenos the stuffed mushrooms uh you owe it to yourself if you're coming through oxford if you're around oxford to stop at lb's right across from kroger 2008 university avenue in 
Oxford. We're also brought to you by Community Mortgage. It's located in Oxford, Memphis, DeSoto County, and Chattanooga. It's 30 plus years old. It's one of the oldest mortgage companies in the Southeast. All of the underwriting and the processing is done in Memphis. So you know you're getting local underwriting that understands your market. It's also the leader in condo financing in the Oxford market. Rates are historically low right now, so you need to get in touch with Jason Lowe. Ask about that float down option. That allows you to lock in the current rate, but if rates go down before you close, you get the lower rate. J-Lo, J-L-O-W-E, at communitymtg.com. Now to the Rafters Music and Food Hotline and Austin Barber. Enjoy. Austin, it's been a while. Welcome back into the show. Appreciate you being uh, with us and spending some time. Yeah, Neil, thanks for having me. Look forward to talking some politics. Yeah, I'm, and, and before people, you know, get started on us and go, oh, it's a couple of Republicans talking, we're, I'm, I'm really going to talk, and I told you this in text, I'm far more interested in sort of the the dynamics of getting nominated right now the dynamics of what an election would look like than i am necessarily the policy you know i mean there's there's going to be a a time to talk a lot of policy and stuff and we'll probably talk some policy now because you can't talk about bernie sanders without at least talking some policy that being said i'm i'm fascinated in the in the the strategy of trying to win the democratic nomination the strategy of if you're trump uh you know kind of how you look at that field from his standpoint in an effort to get reelected in november so before people think we're going to sit here and break down economic policy right now that's probably not a lot of what we're going to do but i do find the quest for a nomination on either party for either party always to be fascinating and this year with the democrats it's it's no exception Oh, it is. And, I mean, look, obviously I'm a Republican and have been one my whole life and work in this business. And um, I, But I have been, and I mentioned this to you, fascinated to watch this Democrat primary really for about the past nine months to a year. It's, it's really been fun to watch. Um, man, I feel like a dork saying it's been fun to watch. But it has it has been fun to watch to a certain degree since um, – I'd say probably mid-December when they were really starting to focus in on the Iowa caucuses, which of course turned out to be a complete debacle. Maybe we'll talk about that later. And, and then New Hampshire and Nevada and South Carolina. I'm just going to tell you, Neil, and we can talk in more detail, this reminds me so much of the 2016 Republican primary. Um, it's, it's just really strange. But um, it, it's certainly exciting to watch and uh, to see who the Democrats ultimately choose. And uh, it may even go all the way to a, a brokered convention in August or September, whenever their convention is. But we shall see. That's what I was going to start with a little bit. You mentioned Iowa. I was going to ask you about Iowa. Did the fact that Iowa, uh, as you said, it was a debacle, and it was. I think anybody would agree with that. The fact that it was a debacle that led to a really no one getting a strong victory, did that push the calendar back a little bit as it pertains to someone emerging as a clear leader here? Oh, it did. I mean, listen, typically Iowa is a springboard for someone, okay? Um, it was a springboard for Ted Cruz to a certain degree in 2016 for Republicans because he could always come back and say, hey, I won Iowa. I won the very first contest that we had. I defeated Donald Trump. I defeated Jeb Bush. I defeated Marco Rubio. And that was a good thing for, for Cruz to be able to say. Um, but 
I bet you could go poll the people who are going to listen to this podcast, and you'd get a 50-50 on actually who won the Iowa caucuses. Sometimes I even forget who won it. I mean, obviously, uh, Mayor Pete, I always butcher his last name, Buttigieg, is the best I can try to pronounce it. He won. Um, but it really ended up not giving well, him momentum. Yeah, and look, I'm even getting confused. I think he won the popular vote there. See, here it is. I don't. I can't even remember now between him and Bernie. One of them won the popular vote there, and one of them won more delegates. And maybe Bernie won the popular vote, and Buttigieg won more delegates. But see, here it is. It, it gives them no momentum. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a it was, and I really feel, and I may be the only person just because I've been in their shoes for the staff and the volunteers who spent probably most of them, a lot of them, more than a year there in Iowa is not the warmest place to be. And it's cold there, and you're knocking on doors, and you're making phone calls, and you're going to events, and you're putting out signs, and you're doing all this stuff. And then it turns out, well, all your efforts really didn't matter. And they didn't. Um, I, I tell you, sort of from a campaign tactical standpoint, I remember watching that night, and I think I even tweeted, and I'm not giving myself any credit here, about 10 o'clock or so forth, and I said, if I'm running a campaign, I am grabbing my candidate and throwing them on stage right now to go talk. And sure enough, the Klobuchar campaign put her on stage. She was the first candidate to actually speak after the Iowa caucuses. All the all the the uh, network news uh, broadcast gave her ten minutes of free airtime. That was a huge opportunity for her, and I think it's it's she performed well there. Um, she got a lot of face time coming out of it, and it's kind of helped her be able to stick around in this contest. We'll see how long she ultimately lasts, but um, it certainly helped her. Uh, but the you know the Iowa caucuses. Yeah, I can't. I can't foresee them being uh, first in the nation when 2024 rolls along. It looks like Biden is going to win South Carolina. Is that going? Is that going to put him back in the race, or is he so far back in terms of polling and that kind of thing that it's still a remarkably uphill climb? Man, you're asking the right question. I don't know if you're asking the right follow up. What? I think the follow-up is, can he do this from a from a health standpoint, from a mental sharpness well, standpoint? I was I was getting there. I mean, I, I'm, yeah, it's one of the things. Let's let's go there then, because it's one of the things that fascinates me with where we are. After again, politics aside, we as a country elected George W. Bush for consecutive terms when he was in his fifties. And we elected Barack Obama for consecutive terms when he was in his 40s. Yeah. And so now we've elected Donald Trump, who will run as a 74, 75-year-old for re-election. Yeah, definitely in the 70s. And then, uh, and then yeah. Bernie Sanders is is in his late 70s. I think he's 77 or 78 years old. Yeah. Joe Biden is, is roughly the same age, and Bernie Sanders has... Uh, some health issues. He's had some heart issues that uh, they're they're not wanting to release medical things. And quite frankly, and I mean this respectfully about uh, the former vice president, there are moments where it is somewhat painful to watch because you feel like you're watching someone who has dementia. Yeah, it really is. It's just, it's. I mean, I, I, and that that's where I think 
he that's why I think he cannot ultimately be their nominee. He may poll the best, but could you imagine? I mean, look, Trump is a brutal debater because the, the dude's going to get up there and say whatever he's thinking. You don't have to look any farther back than what he did in the 2016 Republican um, you know, primary debates when everybody thought it was going to be Jeb Bush, and he just he just. He had beat the crap out of Jeb Bush over and over and over and over, viciously. and Jeb could never re- viciously, yes. um, and just Jeb could never recover. Jeb could never counter and punch back. I think the only one on that debate stage that actually could have would have been Chris Christie. Um, you know, the thing about Trump—not to interrupt you—the thing about Trump yeah. is on the debate stage that separates him from the overwhelming majority of people in general. Is I think. I think for most candidates, most traditional candidates, and Jeb Bush would certainly be one of those. Yeah, there's a line they won't cross. Mm-hmm. With Donald Trump, there is no line. You 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 cannot stand on a debate stage with Donald Trump and not be willing to cross that line and and throw haymakers back at him. And I just don't think Biden could do it. I really don't. I mean, I don't think Biden is is in the prime of his career he's he's proven that in this in this in this primary process um he did have his best debate if you watch the south carolina debate what was that tuesday night i believe um but even still there are times when you're just like what's he trying to say i'm lost i'm confused and you know he has brought up this this point that he's dealt with a stuttering issue since he was a child, and I, I didn't know that story. But even still, there are just certain times with him, whether he's given a speech with prepared notes, um, or, or he's in a debate setting where you know you just kind of get lost. And then there are other times when you see him and you go, oh, that's why people really like that guy. But I just don't think he has enough of that in him to be able to win the Democrat primary um, or, if he was their nominee, to really be able to stand up there and and challenge Trump on a debate stage. Like, you have to. Um, and I, I just don't think that. I don't think he does. But, but your ultimate beginning question was, is he going to win South Carolina? Yeah, it looks like it. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, I'm reading from The Hill uh, right now that, that he has a 20-point lead going into that, as of now, yeah. over, uh, let's see, who's second? It looks like Sanders. Steyer and Sanders, yeah. The Steyer guy, this is the, really the only state. I guess he, he somewhat competed um, in Nevada. He's a, obviously he's a billionaire. He spent a bunch of his own money. I think he spent 15, 25 million bucks in South Carolina, where everybody else is spending one, two, three million dollars, uh, and he's he's very much targeted the black community, eating into the black base um, that that Biden has has dominated, particularly in South Carolina. So he's hurt Biden, but yeah, I think I think when it's all said and done, Biden will find a double digit win um, in South Carolina, and he sure as hell better because if he doesn't, he is toast. Yeah, it's toast a, early. A Monmouth University poll. Uh, issue released on thursday it has biden at 36 sanders at 16 steyer at 15 uh warren at eight and Buttigieg yeah. at six which there's a, there's a lot of questions to come from there it, it, yet yeah, heading into super tuesday it certainly appears that bernie sanders as of this moment is the prohibitive favorite which for me and is is fascinating. It it shows you, in my opinion, and I think you'll agree. Feel free to tell me I'm an idiot. 
just how polarizing our politics have become today that a guy like Sanders, who I realize was a factor four years ago and, and maybe maybe was a victim of his own party. I don't know. We, we can talk about that too. But that a guy like Sanders at this point where people view Trump as so far to the right, as such a, a radical that the Democrats are responding by running someone that I think we would all have to say is pretty radical. Yeah, he's pretty radical. There's no question about that. And I think he would, I think he would welcome that, that badge. He would say it's a badge of honor for him to wear as he's a revolutionary and he's radical. It's, that's what Bernie Sanders is. But yeah, our politics, that's what, that's why I've sort of began the podcast and said, this reminds me so much of 2016. I mean, in 2000, the, the Republican nomination in 2016, you had the, the Marco Rubio's, you had, um, you know, Jeb Bush's, those kinds of Rick, Rick Perry, Chris Christie, who were on the stage, who all had great track records, who were the much more, I hate the term establishment, but they were establishment, I, I more prefer the term uh, traditional, Republican candidates. And, you ha- and you've and you got that um, in the Democrat primary um, with, with a you know, number of these candidates who, who were there. But in 2016, obviously Republican primary voters wanted something different. And Donald Trump gave them that voice. He gave them something that was you know, completely different a guy who was willing to say whatever was on his mind, a guy who most of the time really focused on, um, on ways to think, say things in a, in a very simple way that broke through to voters, which was one of the reasons why he was just so popular, who had tons of energy. Um, and he wasn't an ideologue. He was much more, and is much more, try to, more of a pragmatic guy. And with Sanders, you have some, I think you have a lot of the same qualities in terms of you've got a guy who will say whatever is on his mind. You have a guy who has an army of ardent followers, um, a, a legion of, you know, troops that are out there who will just follow his lead, just as Trump uh, developed in 2015 and 16 and certainly has it now in a massive way. Now, now um, the, the biggest difference, obviously, in terms of what their ideology is between Trump and Sanders is, is that Sanders, as a primary candidate, is much more focused on his policy ideology um, and staying true to it. I think that Trump ever was. Trump was much more of a business guy. He's pragmatic. Let's get things done. Uh, whereas Sanders is like, look, you're either going to be on, you're either going to be with me for Medicaid for all uh, and and free college tuition and and um, getting rid of uh, student debt for for college tuitions, or you know you can get the hell out of my way. Those are those are big differences between obviously Trump and Sanders. But Sanders has just found this following. Um, that just want something different, just as just as Trump did uh, in 2016. I, I, I ultimately think Bernie Sanders will be the nominee. I think the only person that can truly catch him would be Bloomberg. I don't feel as strongly about Bloomberg as I did probably three weeks ago, um, just because of his debate performances. You know this so well because I have it in my mind as an interviewer. I have a question that I'm planning to go to, and then as I listen to your answer, my question gets pushed back about two things. There's so much with Sanders that I that I I find fascinating. One yeah. one is 
ultimately the goal is to win the White House. And I, I look at and now and, and, and to your point, I thought this about Trump, too. You were the only person that I remember telling me about this time four years ago. Hey, Neil, Trump's got a real chance to win this thing. I mean, he, he, he yeah, and I didn't think he would. I got to be honest. I did not think that he would win. I didn't think he'd be the nominee. and I did not think he would win uh, the general election. But, yeah, certainly th- there was a chance that he could. Yeah, and, and I was in the category of people that said there's no way. There's just no way, no chance. And and I say that about Bernie now. I look at Bernie Sanders, and I, I look at the way that our country elects presidents, which is the Electoral College, and it means that there are about 10 states out there that, that hang in the balance. And to win those states, I mean, to win the White House, you've got to win some of those states. I don't see Sanders winning Florida. I know, I know. I don't see Sanders winning anything resembling a Rust Belt state which gets you into Ohio and Pennsylvania and Wisconsin and uh, uh, maybe even it puts Minnesota in play. I, I don't see him winning on the border like a, 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 with the New Mexico. I don't think he's going to turn Texas or something crazy like that. So I, I say, what is his path to the White House? And my response to myself, Austin, and feel, tell me, feel free to tell me, no, Neil, you're an idiot, is there isn't one. Well, I mean, we can't say there's not one. There, there, there has to be one just because politics has proven to us since Barack Obama won in 2008. I mean, honestly, nobody thought Barack Obama was we, that we were going to elect an African-American president anytime soon. And then here's this superstar who comes out, and I don't agree with Barack Obama probably on anything in terms of policy, but he was a once-in-a-generation political figure yeah, and that's, that nobody... And that's, but that's the difference there. And I don't think you can say that about Sanders is that Obama had, and because I, I can remember him early on, there was a charisma about him. There was, there was a superstar quality about him. People wanted to be around him, and Oprah, yep, Win, no Oprah Winfrey got him on the, you know, all that stuff. There was a lot there with him that Bernie Sanders does not possess. No, I'm with you. I guess my point, Neil, is that so many things in politics we say can never happen end up happening. Obama was the first, and then, of course, Trump went in in 16 was was another great example of, you know, the, the pundits are proven wrong. But I hear you. Sanders has got a really difficult pathway. Um, and I, I, he ain't going to win Florida. There's no way. His stance on Cuba, there's no way he's gonna, he can win enough. Hispanic votes, uh, particularly in in South Florida, to 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 be able to win that state. And if you, if if you are a Democrat candidate and you just have no chance to win Florida, that's a real problem. Is he going to is he going to switch North Carolina? Is he going to switch um, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin? All these states that you're talking about. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's. It's 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 Georgia. I mean, you know, Georgia has become sort of a, a swing state, even though a lot of people don't really believe it is, but it is. Um, so, th- does he bring Virginia back in play uh, if Sanders is the nominee? And I, I just don't know that. That's why, as we get past Super Tuesday, you know, the 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 establishment Dems, the the more moderate Dems, they're going to coalesce around somebody. And I think it's either going to be Bloomberg or it's going to be Buttigieg. There I am, just mispronouncing his last name, I'm sure, again. I think those are the only, probably two. I, I think Klobuchar 
would be their best candidate, their best nominee to try to defeat Trump, but they'll never nominate her. Um, you know, Elizabeth Warren, she has no chance. Biden, I ultimately just, we talked about him already. So, um, you know, Super Tuesday is uh, next week. So get South Carolina to happen first and then go to Super Tuesday, and we'll see who's left standing. To And, and there are probably two main ones. Bloomberg's not going anywhere. He's got too much money. So Bloomberg, Sanders, and then who who is left of the other ones. So that was my next question. If you're Michael Bloomberg and it becomes obvious after Super Tuesday that you're not going to win the Democratic nomination, <laughs> does he entertain the idea of running as an independent? And if he does... Who does that hurt more, Bernie Sanders or Donald Trump? Man, that's a great question. I was on a group text with some political friends just this morning talking about that same idea. Um, <coughs> you know, excuse me, um, he, he'll hurt both of them is, is the honest answer. And I don't know who he, who he would hurt more because there are moderates, uh, Republicans and Democrats who who um, will want to vote for somebody else, and there always are. Um, so you know, Bloomberg would get would get some votes. Look, he wants to he wants to be president of the United States, and he hates Donald Trump from from way back in their times in New York, and he has said that, um, and he thinks that this is his legacy to try to defeat Donald Trump. That's of course Michael Bloomberg that we're talking about. So. You know, does he jump out of this Democrat primary because he can't see a path forward and and jump into an independent uh, campaign? Maybe the guy's got so much money. Uh, who knows? He obviously has somewhat of an ego. I I I thought that he could be their nominee. We talked about this a moment ago. I still think he can, but goodness gracious, I'm not sure if you watched the the last two debates. He was horrible in the in the. Um, I guess did he participate in the New Hampshire debate? Yeah, I think the New Hampshire debate, or it was the Nevada debate. Excuse me. Yeah, he, he just, and then he he just was, got exposed. He got beaten up. He was unprepared. And then he was only slightly better in the South Carolina debate this week. And um, and you know, I, I thought that was if you're somebody who's a Democrat who's looking for a more mainstream uh, candidate than than Bernie Sanders, um, and you were looking at Bloomberg. That was real troubling. But the guy's got so much money. I mean, he's spending hundreds of millions of dollars, and that can ultimately help you get over debate debate performance. But he just he's got to get better. Um, I mean, he just he seems very much out of touch. I'm not sure if you saw this. I thought it was pretty funny. Somebody. I don't know who it was. Caught him like coming out of an event. He was with the staff, and they, and they were going to, like they were taking a selfie. And they said, "Hey, mayor, say stop and frisk." And he said, "Stop and frisk." It's like, dude, how out of touch and clueless are you that some troller just got you like that? I, I just, I don't know. Who knows, man? But there was an interesting article for some um, New York reporter who's been covering Bloomberg for 20-something years who has said this guy has always been counted out in his 01 uh, race for mayor, in his 2005 re-election for mayor, in, in his 2009 attempt to um, overturn the um, the ability for him to be able to run again. And he's won every single one of those, mostly because you know money ends up ruling the day for him. So it's fascinating. He, he's fascinating fascinating person to to end up watching and see how he does on super tuesday who does donald trump want to win the democratic nomination oh bernie sanders without a doubt there's just no question because i mean 
he, he, he thinks just like you do, and most people who pay even slightly a bit of attention to politics, that Sanders is just too radical for the country. Uh, and also, I think he is just too radical for our country. So if, let's, um, let's go here with Sanders, because the very first thing, if I'm coordinating the attack on Bernie Sanders, it's very simple. I'm, we're going to hit him with the socialist thing until until it doesn't resonate any longer. And And with most Americans, the word socialist is a bad word. Uh, yeah, and and Sanders is a socialist. He has embraced that title pretty much throughout his his uh, political career. It's go- he's going to get hit with it, and Trump's going to hit hard. If if you're Sanders, how do you in a general election? How do you go about combating that narrative and that label to give yourself a chance? I don't know. I just don't know. And look, this is a badge that he's worn proudly for decades. I I tweeted some uh, video that uh, maybe like C-SPAN or something had found from 1986 when Sanders was running for uh, governor of Vermont, and he was at some kind of state fair. And some old boy said to him, oh, are you the socialist candidate? And he goes, yep, that's me. I mean, so that was nineteen eighty six. He this is something that he's, you know, believed in for a long time. I, I and I think when people start to picket the things that he has said about socialist leaders like Nicolas Maduro and um in Venezuela, um, who's just a who's just you know, a horrible human being. Um and who Sanders has had positive things to say about that, that regime, that's gonna begin to have Hispanic voters, Latino voters go Wait a minute. He said that. I'm not so sure I can, you know, get on the the, the Bernie train. Um, nevertheless, you know, just moderate, you know, white, black, in, in every kind of voters who go, oh, man, this is just too much for me. And then you start talking about his beliefs and the spending, and um, I, 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 that's why we ultimately come back. And I think you believe, and I believe, that's who Donald Trump wants to run against. Even with all the passion and energy that that Sanders has himself um, as a candidate, and these massive crowds that he gets, and his, you know, his, uh, you know, talk about I'm going to get all these young people engaged, and certainly he does have a lot of young people engaged. He does. But he does. I mean, you got to get it at record levels to be able to ultimately pull this off. And um, and I think what Trump has done to, to combat whoever the Democrat nominee, as he um, feverishly campaigns with uh, with African Americans, particularly in urban areas, to try to swing them um, even in a greater way than they've been for maybe any Republican candidate in a long time to to to, to support Trump in, in 2020. Yeah, it's. To me, it's kind of the fascinating thing about Sanders is, yeah, he he does he he gets a lot of young people captivated certainly, and that is one of the things that Barack Obama did in in two thousand eight. Uh, yep, young people turned out in droves. African Americans turned out in droves. Uh, frankly, it was one of the things that Hillary Clinton couldn't match. Eight years later, she could not get young people or and or african-american people to turn out at the polls in anywhere near the type of numbers that barack obama did and i don't think sanders will be able to either Uh, he he does get young people excited but there's going to be questions that come up with him with hey we're gonna you know we're gonna erase college debt the natural question is going to be great who's going to pay for it right (laughs) yeah no, exactly. You go look at his health insurance plan. 
um, which is basically Medicare for All. I was looking at that yesterday. I mean, we're talking about, uh, I think it was um, $30 trillion the cost of this. Um, so it just, you know, and, and, and when they do that, they're going to close every private insurance company. And I, and I tweeted yesterday, um, so what happens to the, I haven't seen this question. I think there's, there's 800,000 plus employees, individuals, Americans who work for insur- health care insurance companies. What happens to those people? I mean, come on now. That, that's, a, um, that's a million people, which is, which is my thing. Ultimately, and it's what all candidates are terrified in a general election to say, well, I'm going to raise taxes. If you, you know, I mean, George, George H. W. Bernie Sanders is not terrified. He's not terrified to say that. And that's kind of what I'm getting at. And we have about eight, nine minutes left with you. I'm, I'm curious because historically that doesn't work when you say, Hey, we're going to raise taxes pretty much across the board. Uh, that doesn't work. I mean, George H.W. Bush went from being a shoe in at being reelected to losing to Bill Clinton based on just that, you know, where he said, read my lips, no new taxes. And then he proposed taxes. And that was that. And, and I just, I'm, I, I'll kind of go here. I don't have, don't have an infinite amount of time with you. If I told you today that the, the election gods came down and told me Donald Trump did not get reelected, what would you assume happened? Joe Biden was the nominee and found the fountain of youth. Or or Bloomberg somehow um, was the nominee. Um, or Bloomberg ran as a third-party candidate and Sanders wasn't their nominee. So it wouldn't be... Something like that's got to happen. It wouldn't, yeah, it maybe, wouldn't be maybe, the stock market or the coronavirus or something like that. You think it, it's... Yeah, I'm thinking purely politics. I mean, there are all these things that we can't control. I mean, we could end up going to war. We could have... You know, the coronavirus could... could you know, be worse than, than some potentially forecasted. The stock market, you know, which is you know down a ton, even already today, uh, and yesterday and the day before, could continue to to, um, to to fall. But you know, certainly those things could happen. Um, but I, I would say, if we look at Super Tuesday, and I just want to make this point because then we only have a few minutes left. Some of the states, Bloomberg cannot walk out of Super Tuesday without winning anything. Okay, and and as I was looking at 538, and they sort of have their, it's not really polling, is sort of more of their, here's our percentage of who we think, of which candidates can win. And when you look at some of these southern states, Alabama, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Tennessee, Texas, Virginia, th- th- those are states that Bloomberg got to win a couple of those. I think he's doing best in Oklahoma and Arkansas. Um, Texas is going to be so interesting. Damn, if Bernie wins California and Texas, how does anybody catch him from a delicate standpoint? Uh, I think I said delicate. I meant delegate standpoint. Um, just fascinating to see. But Bloomberg is, I think, he's probably dead in the water, Neil, even with all his money, if he doesn't win a couple of states on, on Super Tuesday. And the same for Joe Biden. He's got to win by double digits in South Carolina, and then he's got to come win um, you know, some southern states that have heavy African-American uh, turnout uh, in terms of the Dems that will go vote those days. You know what's interesting? I was, I was looking at 538, too. It was about... Trump's approval ratings, they're a little lower than those of his predecessors at this exact same time in their presidencies, but not that much. Yeah, no, look, I mean, he, he is, um, he's been pretty much right there with Obama uh, during Obama's first term through much of, through much of this year. 
look, Trump's going to have plenty of money. Um, you know, the RNC is is going to run a super organized campaign in coordination with his campaign, and um, he's going to be tough to beat. So that's why the Dems are just freaking out. That's why when you see James Carville on set at MSNBC, he's up there freaking out because he's thinking, we're about to freaking nominate uh, you know, a socialist in Bernie Sanders. How can we win? All right, last thing, question. last thing, I've got less than five minutes with you, and this is a big picture thing, and we'll revisit it somewhere later in the year, but I do want to kind of plant the seed and get your thought, because I'm, I'm really curious. Let's say that you and I are both right, that this ends up being Sanders versus Trump, a very polarizing election one way or the other, however it turns out. What does the national landscape look like four years from now? Because for both of these men, uh, it Obviously, if Trump wins, he's not a candidate in 2024. And if Sanders wins, he's in his 80s in 2024. Yeah. What, what, what are we looking at in 2024? Is, are we going to have a run back to the center with both parties, or are we going to continue to go to the extremes? Your opinion. I, I think at some point in time, things have got to reset. you got to come back to the center at some point in time um, in, in both parties, um, particularly the Democrat Party. The Democrat Party has gone so far left. Uh, and I'm not so sure that the Republican Party has gone so far right, not nearly as far right as the Democrats have gone uh, to, to the left. But, um, you know, things in politics usually sort of click back to the norm. Things go in cycles in politics, just like they do in the stock market and, and in Vilbis football and, you know, all kinds of different things in life. So, but it's, it's, but it's damn almost impossible to predict too. Yeah, you know, I mean, we just are it's things. We've never had these things called you know, Facebook and Twitter and social media. You know, for the past few generations of, of as we've watched things in politics go in a cyclical form. So, you know, we sit here and say what we think is going to happen, but we also always know, man, it's really hard to predict too. Austin, always fascinating to talk to you. Really appreciate the time. I know you're busy. We'll talk soon. Thanks, Neil. Have a good one. Bye bye. Bye. My thanks to Austin for his time today on the Beer Garden. We'll be back next week. Like I said, we'll get back into sports. NFL draft, Major League Baseball right around the corner. The uh, playoff picture beginning to take shape in uh, the NBA. And, of course, we're getting closer and closer to March Madness and everybody's bracket and all of that stuff. Spring football right around the corner. College baseball approaching the uh, league uh, portion of the season. So a lot to talk about, and we'll get to all of it over the course of the next few weeks here on the Oxford Crystal Beer Garden. Thanks to Austin, and thanks to you for listening. Until next time, take care.